Amen. Amen. We'll just pray. Thank you, Father. Father, just tonight, Lord, I come before you, Lord God. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Father, just take these words, Father God, this testimony that you've given me, O God. Father, I just pray, O God, just that you would come by the Holy Ghost, O God. Father, just anoint these words, O God. Take them, Lord, and do nothing but glorify Christ, Lord. Father, soften the hardest heart. Father, set themselves against you, Father God, and break it with the very love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, Lord, I can stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, So I'm just going to read one verse from Acts 20 and 24. And this is the great Apostle Paul speaking. And you hear much about Apostle pa- the Apostle Paul and just what he was sent to do. And, you know, just as, just as life work. But the one thing he said that was his ministry from God, it says, Acts 20 and 24 says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus, and what was it? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. And you know, in the Amplified, it says to testify faithfully of the good news of God's precious, undeserved grace, which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. I just want to testify tonight from nothing else to testify of in my life, but of God's precious, undeserved grace in my life. You know, I've just been doing some work with just ones in the town that are maybe addicted or homeless or just, and we've made lots of friends doing it. And, you know, Brent would always say to them, do you know when he's talking to them, he says, look back on your life. And if you dust it all off, you'll see that the fingerprints of the enemy are all over your life. And they always agree. You know, whether you're 11 years of age, you've made a bad choice or you've began down a bad route, he says, you'll see the fingerprints of the enemy. But I can say tonight, you know, I can dust off my life and all I see in my life is the grace and the goodness, the precious, undeserved grace of God all over my life from I was a child. You know, um, for those of you who don't know, my name's Lydia. I'm 39, and I'm from Liverpool. I always say if people ask me that I I grew up in a Christian home, but really I didn't. But the reason I say that is because my grandmother, Sarah, my nan, she was a Christian, and, you know, she just uh, influence on the whole family. I felt like I grew up in a Christian home, and she was a Christian. You know, her whole life was Jesus. Um, she was, Like I said, she was my grandmother. She was my mom's mom, um, and she had nine kids, and we all knew the gospel. All of, I was a grandkid. All of us knew the gospel. Church, I always tell the kids this, <laughs> um, but church for me growing up was at my nan and granddad's house when we were little, my granddad played the piano. He was brilliant on the piano. And my nan brought the words every week. Um, she always did a children's message. Then we were sent in the kitchen to draw or to look in the cupboard for biscuits. <laughs> but um, um, the living room was packed and it was family. As far as I can remember, it was mostly on save, but they all would have gathered. And then the meeting changed to our house when we were older. I, I, remember, I remember loads of things, but I remember my granddad. For my nan, it was the Bible, then the redemptional hymnal. And my granddad would have hammered, let the fire fall. I, he was up and down the keys. And when you when it moved to our house and we were older, you just wished 
the windows were closed. You just thought, if any of my friends are playing outside, I'm going to die off because he and then my nana was singing. And But they were good memories. They really were happy memories. Um, that's where I would have first met Ruth and Andy. They came and done... Um, Andy would have brought the word and he'd have done a children's address. And, and that's where I would have met Dawn Joy the first time. They knew my uncle and auntie from Bible college. Um, just lots of good memories, but some specific memories. You know, my uncle Pete lives in America and he's a preacher there. And he came home with his wife and his kids. And, you know, we were singing away just as like we always did in the meeting. But I remember it was in our house at the time. And I knew as a child the presence of God. See, looking back, I know that that's what it was. I began to I began to cry just knowing the presence of God in that room as we were all singing. And I hid my face in me, and I remember saying, "What's wrong with you?" What? But I, you know, and it's the same way now. Only looking back, I know the presence of God. I knew it from a child. Um, and then there was a tent mission in, and remember this as well, there was a tent mission. We lived in just a terraced house, mum still does, and across the road from our house is a big park. And so Andy and Ruth came and we uh, and we had a tent mission over in the park. And um, again, I went to school like three minutes walk away from our house. So all the kids, I was in nearly top primary school, I was nine anyway. But, you know, the last Sunday morning of that tent mission, the preacher's name was Jim Gribben, and he gave an appeal. You know, I knew that presence of God on me again. I knew that God was there. And I remember just crying, and crying is a bit of a theme for me anyway, and as a kid, and now I have a dramatic daughter too. But I do remember just knowing the presence of God crying. But, you know, and, you know, I remember the preacher saying something about, you know, oh, this little girl knows that, I don't know, just is feeling, I don't know what he said, but I know he kind of pointed me out, but I was crying. But, you know, I wish, I'm 39 now, I honestly wish I could go back, because I know I didn't put my hand up when he says, do you want to be saved? I didn't say, Lord Jesus, will you come into my heart? I know I didn't, but I know, I felt like I was a Christian. I felt like I'd always trusted God. Looking back now, I know I was probably living under the protection of my nan's salvation, if that makes sense to anyone. That's the way it felt to me. I knew I, knew I told the kids in school about God, I told them, I didn't get in trouble one time for doing something silly. I remember telling them it's because I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember, you know, just I trusted. I did just trust Jesus. I knew it was the truth. But I do think I was just living under the protection of my nan. You know, she'd painted the blood over the doorhouse and we were safe under it. I knew that as a child. But, you know, um, I I look back now. I'm th I keep saying I'm 39 so don't miss my 40th next year, but I keep saying, you know, but I'm 39 now, so not 30 years ago, but I wish I could go back and see me crying and say, make sure tonight, get this is God you're feeling, you give him your life, you go into school tomorrow and sit me down and say, you know, I'm, you know, 30 years on, I still wish I could get hold. And that's, you know, for the young ones, make sure, go into the worst they're going to do is laugh at you. You make sure, make a good stand for Jesus. I, you won't, you think one day I'll get older and then I won't feel as embarrassed. That's not the truth. That's a lie. You make a stand when you're young. You know, the next day I went to school and I went in the, in my classroom, there was older kids as well. And I went into that class and there was one particular girl. She was sat in the cloakroom with the older ones. And she says, you take it seriously, don't you? And I, Liz, who goes out, I'll speak to the drug addict. I'll do. I'll take the Sunday school. 
And I says, no, I don't. That's all I said. And you know, sorry, you might think, Let's, you are only nine, come on. But you know, I denied the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what I did, you know, and I still regret that to this very day. Standing, no matter what I've done, I denied him. And I wish I could go back and say, let's make a stand for Jesus, you know. And so, you know, um, so then I go on, obviously, to high school. Mom sent me to a high school in Formby. She didn't want me to go to the local school, just didn't have a good reputation. So, um, but it really helped me in high school because... When obviously your friends are starting to do stupid stuff in the high school, I had to come home on the train. And so I just, just naturally, I wasn't just hanging about with them. I wasn't just maybe doing what they would do, what they were doing. I do see that as God was good to me. God was good to me. I had a best friend. I was friendly really with everyone, but the best friend and she was just into horses. And so the kid from Bootle was just with with a friend from Halsall into horses every weekend. I just went to the horse shows. I rode the thing once and that was that. But, you know, I knew the truth. I knew we were different and I knew, and I knew God's hand on my life as just going through high school and just, um, just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't walk with the Lord, but, you know, my sister, I have an older sister, younger brother, and she was saved and baptized young. But at 17, she started, she went to a different school than me again. But she started wanting to go out and go to clubs and all. Pete and Angie at that time had began to look after inmates' children in America. So she went to help with the work. So I was 14. And that summer, I was going over to spend the summer with Pete and my sister. And just before I went... I heard that my sister had been filled with the Holy Ghost. She'd gone to, lots of you know of Pastor Brother Clendenin. He would have ran the School of Christ. But he had a summer camp for kids in the rough projects in Texas. And my sister went and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I remember thinking, I knew my sister had changed. She used to write me letters from there. And she wanted me to come over so bad. And, you know, I remember thinking this always happens for someone else there's always but anyway I went over to Alabama and that was the best summer of my life it really was it was just a great summer spent it with our cousins their life was church the things of God they just you know and I spent I spent the summer with them and I went to a youth meeting there and the first I think it was like one of the first meetings I even went to as soon as he made the appeal to be saved he spoke about sin said you to leave it I just put my hand up went down because I wanted saved I'd always wanted to walk with the Lord but I knew I felt I said to Brent I felt like I always trusted him but I knew I had to go and live for him at home I knew that and all summer I just dreaded going home and um, so I came home, I was telling Brent, and I was armed. This was my survival kit going home because I knew I have to get through the school year and then I'll come back to America. I had a shout to the Lord cassette tape. <laughs> I had a testimony tape of an ex-convict that Uncle Peter had led to the Lord. And I listened to that every single night, every night, probably for about a week, but it was every night. <laughs> but um, And I had a, an, Auntie Angie had made a little cassette tape singing and I brought that home as well. <laughs> and um, me nan had Mr. Clendenin's School of Christ cassettes. So I'd get up early 
I did not know how to walk with the Lord. That sounds, I didn't know how to walk with him. I, I used to get up early and put on a School of Christ cassette. I had no idea what Mr. Glenn Denham was preaching about. I was half asleep. I remember one morning, he probably doesn't, but my dad coming down, half asleep, coming into the living room and saying, what are you doing? And I says, oh, I'm just listening to this. He says, I thought your Uncle Peter would come home because he could... <laughs> But anyway, and I told my friends, I went and said, you know, become a Christian. I remember taking my Bible to my friends. I was trying to read to some. But really in them years, I went to high school and I was just holding on to get back to America because I thought I cannot live this year. I told my friends, but I more just tried to dodge sin. I tried to dodge temptation. Like I said, my friends was into horses and that, so it helped. But, uh, you know, family meetings around this time, I think, stopped. My sister came back to do her A-levels at college and we'd look for churches, but there was always something. My aunt tried to protect us. She'd watched over the years rubbish coming into the churches in Liverpool. So we'd go to one and she'd say, no, they're ecumenical, you're not going. So then, but then we'd try maybe another one. And she was right. They were looking back. She definitely was right. Um, she, you know, she'd say, no, 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 they've got all the, you know, laughing and falling down and all this type of stuff. She says, don't be going there. We found one that was two train journeys away. We were made up. It was it was full of like uni age people. But we got invited back to the elders house. And, you know, me and my sister, we wanted to walk with God. We really did. I'm not saying we couldn't have. I'm just saying. But there was wine bottles on the Sunday dinner table. I remember we were gutted. We were gutted. And we... I think we went a few times, but well, we didn't we didn't stick it out anyway. Started doing my A-levels, and my friends started going out at weekends and drinking and all, and I always just says, no, 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 I'm not. And my friend wasn't really pushy, but, you know, I I'd really can say, honestly, I had no real desire to be a part of it. But no church, no Christian friends, no fellowship. I felt like I had no alternative. It was more I was going... Lord, what am I, how am I supposed to walk this walk? I could have. You know, a preacher once said, while the testimony of Joseph exists in the Bible, no teenager's got an excuse not to walk with God. So I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying it was difficult. Um, you know, the year 2000, the big millennium, where everything was meant to crash. Um, you know, I remember staying in that night, but I wasn't well. And I remember going, oh, good, I'm not well, so I get to say I can stay in. More my friends went out and all. But, um, but I was so resentful then. I began to get so resentful. Um, I stayed in with my nan and my brother and my little cousin, everyone else. And I just remember going, I was so resentful because I thought I cannot live this life. And I'd already I'd applied to Bible college in the midst of it all, and I was holding on to get there. But I see in that last year of A-levels, it came to the beginning of summer just before our exams. I remember, I remember the day my, my friend came and says, Liz, would you just come out? You don't have to drink. You don't even have to drink. Just come out and have fun. And, you know, this is 20 years ago now, and I still regret and hate the day that I said, yes, all right, Sarah, I will. I'll just come out. So I went. I snuck, obviously. Her mum and dad didn't mind. But, you know, and I came home, I'm not saying I did, I probably had fun, I can't even remember. I came home just so guilty and just going, what am I doing? But, you know, the next time that she asked me, then I said, Sarah, I'm not going. Well, sure, you came the last time. And I ended up going. And then I ended up, you know, just taking a drink. And then just the same things that you do, you know. Or, and, you know, I know that if I could go back, I sat in my formal and I, I'd 
been drinking. And there was a boy that had come into our A-levels from a different school. I didn't really know him. He was nice enough, but he just opened up to me sitting at a table. He says, you know, I've thought of killing myself. And this wasn't, you see, if he said that today, everyone's thinking of killing themselves. It seems like lots of people say, yes, I'm suicidal. I'm su but he says, you know, I've thought so much of committing suicide. He says, I'd do it if it wasn't for my mum. And I knew the answer to that boy's life. And I sat and I think, all I remember saying is, don't you do that. There's a hell and there's a God. That's all I was able to say. Because I was sitting in the same place of him, drinking the same drink as him. And I just was no witness at all. Um, and then I began to dread Bible college. It was a two-year course in Michigan. And I just wanted a way, though. I just thought to myself, if I could go to the USA, this would all be over. I would, I'd be able to be a Christian. Um, like I said, you know, I'd wake up, just bolt up right in the middle of the night, just going, I am sorry, God. I, I just was a hypocrite, basically. You know, I began to dread Bible school. My whole Christian experience was a failure. No church is no excuse. And I wish this wasn't my testimony tonight but it is. And I look back and I can testify faithfully of the grace of God on my life. You know, you might say tonight, Lydia took a few drinks. The way, you know, you're carrying on, you might. But I know in my heart I did more than that. I denied the Lord Jesus Christ. I denied him, you know. Um, I denied him. And why? Because I didn't know him as a child. I remember lying in my bed. There was a man next door and his name, his name was Black Mike. That was his name. Um, and he, he sold drugs. And I remember my dad was so worried because he'd seen him talking to Emma. And I was only a little girl at this time and he, he was cross about. I remember in my bed praying to the Lord and just, just, I was so scared of him. And, but you know, I knew the reality of God. I knew what the answer was. And I knew to, to, you know, just call on the Lord. I remember being around the same time praying to the Lord that he'd save my dad. I knew him as a child. I knew the presence of God. I knew him. I knew the gospel, but I denied him. You know, um, after my A-levels, just quickly, I went to Bible school. I only did one year. And, you know, at the Christian friends, at the Christian activities, at the Christian lessons, but I needed to meet with God. I know that I needed an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and knew it. And towards the end of that year, I know he began to deal with my heart just very, very graciously. And I began to just desire him. Nothing was really filling it, not the activities. You know, a lot of them would have been like cool Christians and, you know, go, they were in bands and all. I remember standing there going, this is not what I'm looking for. This is not, this isn't going to touch what I, I knew I needed to meet with God. And that summer I was 19, it was 2001. I went to Texas. I stayed with Mr. Clendenin over a weekend and his wife and then I went to a five-day School of Christ meeting at his church. And I can say, honestly, that there I met with God. You know, I knew, you see the presence I knew as a child, I knew it there. I knew conviction, I had a desire and a longing to know him. It, he met me there. You know, it wasn't in the messages. I know I met with him in the altars. You see, in those times of prayer, I know he came again to me. You know, I always say, sorry, 
All I knew I was meant to be, everything I'd seen in my nan's life and tried, I know I found it or it found me there. I always say, Brent, I went, I felt like my eyes were open there. I felt like I could see so clearly. I, I'd done a year in Bible school. It, it did. It wasn't the same. I could see salvation. I could see clearly God's plan. I felt like he showed me the church, what it was, what it is, what it's meant to be. You know, I ended up then shortly after going through the whole of the school of Christ. I know I'd ne- I didn't even know what revival was. And he put a seed in my heart for revival. And it's never left to this day. I know even very, I've, I wanted me family saved. And even very specifically, I know that I wanted that seed that my nana planted in my family's heart. I know that in there, in his presence, I wanted to see it watered. I wanted life to come. The Bible says that seed is incorruptible. And I know that every one of us that heard the gospel, that the seed of God is planted in the heart and in the school of Christ, when he met me, I know I wanted the rain of God to fall. And I know that even if it does today, that the seed has not died. That seed is incorruptible and it will come forth and it will bring life. He did that in me. I, you know, he changed me. He put that desire within me, you know, and I know you know, n- not long after that, I moved to Northern Ireland where I met everyone here. Um, you know, Lainey, Tim and Nikki, Dondre, the Nixons, the Woodsies, Patsy and Sam, everyone. And then obviously everyone, Fifi, <laughs> everyone. I could just name everyone because that's where I met you. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, God gave me everything I'd ever longed for. All that I'd thought I'd struggle without, God's left me out. Church, godly friends, a life, you know, of just Christ. I learned to walk. I learned to hear God in his word, to make a stand. When I was at home, I used to take the dog for a walk around the GCSE time. And I used to pray and ask God for all these things. But I thought it was impossible to answer these things. I thought the answer was get me to the USA, get me to America, the churches there, all the rest of it. But God gave me everything. You see, if he'd have sent me to the USA and answered the prayers I thought that I wanted and I knew best. You know, I failed him so much, but he was bringing me. I believe the whole time from I was a little girl, he was bringing me here to see his purpose in my life fulfilled. I'm so glad that I stayed and failed him other than he would have sent me somewhere I'd have ran ahead of him and missed the purpose of God for my life you know just especially to our young ones God has not failed you you know he might he's you've prayed as a child to be saved he is answering your prayer he is bringing you to his end it is for your life and for your good God has not failed you you failed him yes but he has not failed you you keep calling on him call your sin what it is tell him you'll leave your sin again he'll come again to you and he will he's answering your prayer to be saved he did it for me and he'll do the same for you you know I can just testify the grace of God over my whole life you know what had I done to deserve this I'd done absolutely nothing I denied him not just with this mouth but I denied him my life 
And what, so why did he come to me again? Is it, oh, Liv, but you, no, I'll take you back. I failed him because he's a good, good God. It's his grace, his mercy, and his love because he loved me and he loves you. And he longs for you to know him. You know, he met every longing in my heart. You know, it wasn't any longer just my nan's walk. It was mine. The blood was over my door. You know, and I, I just keep thinking of that song. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. This And this is my testimony. But, you know, I could have started here and ju- it would have been a whole lot shorter if I'd have just said when I was 19, I met with the Lord. But, you know, I thought about, yeah, I can, this is why I have so much problem testifying. I cannot start there because I know the, the work of God in my life when I was little, you know. We know the Apostle Paul was saved on the Damascus Road, but I read that verse where he said, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. You know, I just know there's ones in here that have known him as a child. You may not be walking with him, but he does come again. You know, the greatest struggle in my life is to testify at it's I'm not shy. It's not because I'm shy and it's not because I'm humble. But it is because just of the way I messed up so many times. Tim had asked me in the summer to testify in the driving. I said no, just no, just no. But um, but you know, sorry. Last Friday night at the outreach, it was at the end of the outreach. It was in Belfast. I was standing talking to Jonathan Nixon, and we were just talking about the grace of God. The Bible calls it the unmerited favor of God. You know, and I said to Jonathan, Jonathan, I wish I could testify to our church kids or anyone that's just grown up in church or anyone that's backslidden or just knows they're not walking, but I wish I could testify to our church kids. And it was the next day I had a voicemail from Tim asking me to testify. You know, I believe with all my heart that God wants to speak to to you tonight. I really believe it with everything in me. I could go on and talk about my wonderful marriage and my wonderful children and just all the things that God's doing now. But, you know, I, I usually will skip over my testimony part, but I believe God wants to use it, the failure of it for, for the young in this room and those that are backslidden. You know, like I said, I failed constantly, struggled to live from, dodged my sin. In my heart, I knew his call on me. I'm not talking about a call to Africa. I'm talking about his call for me, his call for me, for my life, for my heart, and for, you know, to follow him, for my surrender, for my trust. That's what he wanted. My son, give me your heart. That is it, you know. And I just kept, you know, the call of that just became such a frustration for me. You know, it became a burden to me. I know that really in my heart was what I was saying is, God, either make it possible for me to walk or just take it away altogether. You know, I began to believe that it just didn't work for me. You know, I began to believe I was the exception. Yes, but I know, but, you know, but listen, God came again to me. And I believe, just want to just go over it tonight. He heard me from my first cry. My little girl, Anna, she's just gone out for the 17th time. She's, 
she's but she asked me a couple, a couple of weeks ago now mommy can I, I i want she actually said i want to ask jesus into my heart again and i says you know something just very quickly i wanted to say the fear came in me because i seen me as a child and i want you know just very quickly i wanted to say oh anna just wait until don't go through the motions of asking. But you know, you know, I believe with all my heart, God heard my little girl. I don't believe. He says, no, no, no. We'll just see how you go. He's heard her and he will bring her through to full salvation. And it's the same for you. Don't look back and think, what was I doing as a child? It's not worked for me. God is answering your prayer and will come again. He wants to come again tonight. You might fail him again, but he'll come again. Every desire that was in the his heart he gave me and so much more I'm glad he didn't give me what I'd asked him for you know don't you judge God too quickly he is bringing you to him he wants to come again in spite of your failing in spite of your backsliding in spite of your resentment and unbelief and this is amazing grace you know I you know we've been just talking to those that are addicted or bound in sin and I used to think I used to say oh my husband used to do this on my but no you know I can go and I can say I've received that same grace you know I look at, at, at Brent and I and I go I've received more grace than Brent Porter ever has because I knew the gospel as a child I've received grace upon grace upon grace I've received that grace you know it's not in you know I I love a good testimony and to me that's someone who'd never heard the gospel gets born again and runs with the gospel and that is a good a good a good testimony but if it's not yours it's not yours if you've been a fit I'll stand you know I've always just gone I'm not testifying but I will I'll be the person that stands and says, no, I was a failure. So, so he saves failures. He brings you through to full salvation. He fills you with the Holy Ghost and you can walk with him, you know. Um, you know, just and just one other thing. Sorry. I've put again, I'm 39. Um, <laughs> I kept writing it. But the greater, I'm only saying it to say, it doesn't stop when you're young. You know, the greatest struggle is in my mind. I'm going to be honest with you. I know the devil would still come to me. And I know it's the devil for the fear. I would wake in the night. Just this last year has been so good from lockdown. And um, it's just been really good. The Lord's just come again to Brent and I. Just he's doing just good things, exciting things. And just is really, he just is moving and but at the same time, that devil came again. But, you know, in a strange way, I knew, I knew God was letting it come. And I knew he wanted to deal with it all in me just once and for all. I feel like in my Christian walk, I've learned everything back to front. I should have known that it's just I can't do anything for this salvation. I should have known it as a child. I want that. I love to teach our children, our children in the Sunday school, the doctrines of God. The You know, I want them to know what it is to be justified by faith, you know, but... You know, he'd come again and say, well, sorry, when was it that you were saved? Or I'd, I'd wake up, this is in the summer when God was moving, and I'd bolt, bolt upright, oh, my eyes were wide open, and I just, you know, that fear. So when were you saved? Is that salvation? And then it doesn't look like this salvation. And I'm standing before you, and you probably think, she, those thoughts came in her mind. You know, but they did, and I was tormented just on and off for a long time. And one morning, he didn't know that I'd been, oh, just the 
fear of it all in me. Then he came into me and said, Liz, I think you should read this. I think it'll really help you. Are you saved? I was like, I says, oh, thanks, love. And so I began to read it. And I was thinking, why has he given me this? It was all just saying you must be born again and saying that the born again experience and just going through it all. But, you know, it got to the end. I got to the back page. I was like, oh, Lord, are you speaking here? And I got to this part and it says, when you have believed on Jesus and received him as your saviour and God, your part of the miracle of the new birth is complete. I mean, a weight lifted off me, lying, I was just laying in my bed. When you've believed on Jesus, received him as your saviour and God, your part of the miracle of the new birth is complete. I mean, just the weight of it just honestly just came off me. You see, you can go back and you can hoke about and see, you know, and try and figure it all out. But it's his work. You know, when my dad got saved, my dad got saved um, about a year ago. And, you know, I remember panicking when he got saved. I was delighted, but then the old panic began to, oh, Lord, just make sure he's really saved. I think he's watching, but... (laughs) Just make sure he's really safe, just Lord. And I remember being outside and pacing up and down, just walking outside. It was in lockdown, just going, Lord, would you make sure my dad's saved? And just and everyone was saying to me, isn't this wonderful? I was going, yeah, yeah, but I knew that fear just was in me again. But I remember getting to the, the gate, and I knew that the Lord just spoke in my heart, Lid, I do the saving. And I, I be- he just separated that part's mine. I save. That's nothing to do with your dad. That's, he wanted saved. There's what can wash away his blood. He can't do it. He can't. He can't. He just can't do anything. There's nothing can take away our sin. This is undeserved grace. He pardons us. You know, this is the grace of God. And that's what the Apostle Paul went forth with to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He went and said to the religious groups, I've got good news. I have good news for you. You can do nothing to get saved. That's the good news. Christ has come. There's a way to go to the Father. And, you know, just believe and receive and begin to walk with them. Yes, leave your sin. You can't walk with sin in your hands. But that he would, ju- that you just let him come again. I know he wants to come again tonight. You know, he saves. It's his gift. It's his responsibility. You repent of your sin, which you know what it is, and believe. It is grace, is unmerited favor. You cannot earn it. You cannot keep it. You just believe it. It's a free gift. And this is my testimony. The unmerited favor and the grace of God. Um, you know, the song has said it again. This is amazing grace. Just very, just very quickly in the Bible, it speaks of a man called Naaman and he's full of leprosy. And Elisha, the man of God, said to him, he wanted rid of his leprosy. But he says, well, go and wash in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. But, you know, Naaman, he was proud and he said, there are much better rivers than all the waters of Israel in Damascus than all the rivers than all the waters of Israel. He didn't want to go and wash in the River Jordan. He says it's a dirty river. The Bible says he went away in a rage. 
He knew the answer, but he let his heart be filled with rage that that was the same answer. But listen to me. You might say, you know, let there's cleaner rivers. There's another way. I'm too far gone. You know, oh, I failed. Or you see, I'm the exception. I know what you're saying, but let you to really tender heart. I'm the exception, but you're not. And the answer's still the same, and it will not change. He's the same God. He loves you the same, and it's the same grace for you that it is for any heroin addict, any any murderer, anyone. It's the same grace. Wash, the Bible says, and be clean. You know, just I'll end on that verse again. It says that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. Amen.